I want you to take your Bibles, your apps, or whatever you read on, and today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is located in the New Testament. So if you're not sure how to find it, here's what I would tell you to do. If you're in a physical Bible, just go to the table of contents. Uh, there you're going to find uh, the, the Old and the New Testament, the two big sections of the Bible. 1 Corinthians is in the, the uh, second big section, the New Testament, and it's uh, a little less than halfway, maybe a third of the way through the books, through the list of books in that section. So 1 Corinthians 9. Now, if you're in an app, pull down the list of the books of the Bible, and you're going to find 1 Corinthians is a little past two-thirds of the way down that full list of books of the Bible. So again, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, I've I've spoken about my testimony many times uh, in, in our services, but, but today I want to mention, I've talked about how I didn't grow up in church. Uh, you know, my family was an amazing family. I had a great mother and father. And the fact is, is that uh, they were great, but they did not believe in Jesus. So church was never a conversation that we had in our home. We, we would come across times of the year like Christmas and Easter, uh, and, and Church wasn't ever discussed. We, we never talked about, oh, it's Christmas, let's go to church, or we should go to church because it's Easter. That was never a conversation that happened in our home. Uh, when I was uh, in like first, second, third grade, uh, my house uh, was actually located uh, on the same block as a church, and we never once talked about going to that church. I could walk to that church in less than 60 seconds. And yet we never, ever discussed going to church. It was not even on our radar. It wasn't until someone in my life, a friend of mine in seventh or eighth grade, invited me to come to church. That's when church became a part of my life, is when someone I knew, someone I trusted, came into my life and said, hey, why don't you come to church with me? And that's when church and my uh, connection, my relationship with Jesus began to grow and began to change and my life transformed because Jesus was working in my life. But it didn't matter what big events the local churches were having. It didn't matter what was going on in those churches. It didn't matter uh, whether they changed pastors or painted their campus or what they offered online. I did not connect with a church or with Jesus until someone took the initiative to invite me to be a part of that. Now, we've been talking a lot about serve. Uh, that serving is the fourth of our core values. So our mission statement right here on the wall is to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. And then we achieve that mission by leaning into four core values. Believe, we have strong beliefs, and those beliefs begin with believing in Jesus. Then connect. When we connect to God and to the church family and to the community, we can grow in our relationship with Jesus. Third, grow. When we connect and we believe we're going to grow, we're going to change. Jesus is going to change us to be more like him as we grow and mature in our relationship with him. And then lastly, which we've been talking about for the last several weeks, serve. We serve God, we serve the church family, and we serve our community. And sometimes serving means that we share 
the life-changing hope of Jesus with someone in our lives, whether it be by sharing uh, how God has changed our lives through our testimony, or whether it's simply by inviting someone to come and hear about Jesus through an online service or an in-person service on a campus, but inviting someone into the experience of what Jesus has to offer them. So we're gonna lean into that today. I want you to take your Bibles now to that passage that I told you to turn to, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're gonna begin in verse 20. Now, let me give you some background as you're looking for chapter 9, verse 20. Uh, this particular book of the Bible is a letter written by a guy named Paul. Paul was this great missionary in the, the region of like the Mediterranean Sea. Um, and and he, he led people to the life-changing hope of Jesus. He started churches. And then uh, he would send letters to these churches and to some of these individuals to encourage them and instruct them and, and help them in their faith. So this letter is to the church in a city called Corinth. Uh, so that's why it's called 1 Corinthians. It's the first letter that we still have from Paul to the church in the city in Corinth. And he's been encouraging them, instructing them. And look at what he says in chapter 9, beginning in verse 19. Actually, I want to start in verse 19. It says this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more. Of them. So this entire chapter, Paul has been talking about how he really has all the rights that, that a free person has. He was a citizen of Rome, which meant he had more rights than the typical person that lived in the Roman Empire. He had all these rights. And yet right here and throughout the book of 1 Corinthians and other letters that he writes, he speaks about him giving those rights up so that he can serve people. And the reason that he gives those rights up to serve people is so that he can lead people to Jesus. Let's continue on. Verse 20, to the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law that I might win those under the law. Verse 21, to those outside the law, I became the law of God, or sorry, let me start over. Verse 21, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. Why? That I might win those outside the law. Verse 22, to the weak, I became weak. Why? That I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. So Paul is telling us uh, that, that we need to be willing to make sacrifices in order to lead people to Jesus. Now, I'm gonna be very frank with you. This particular passage has been used and abused by a lot of people. But let me tell you very clearly, Paul never compromises his obedience to Christ in being a, becoming a Jew for the Jews or becoming as one under the law for those under the law or uh, becoming as one outside the law or becoming as one weak for the weak. You know, he's not compromising his obedience to Christ or his faithfulness to Jesus. He's simply saying, 
if I'm around Jewish people, like in a synagogue or something, I'm going to act, talk, and think like a Jew when I'm around those Jewish people so that I will sound like them, I will look more like them, they will uh, receive me and, and listen to the things I have to say so that I might have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. To the weak, Paul was, was someone who had lots of influence, he had lots of rights, he, he really could have lived a comfortable lifestyle. But because his, his value was in the gospel, he didn't value that stuff very much. Instead of leaning into his comfort and his rights and his comfortable living, he sacrificed all of that. And, and he became weak. He, he became someone who, who everyone could identify with so that he could share the gospel more readily with anyone that he came across. You see, Paul is telling us to stop thinking like people who have been in church all of our lives and start thinking like people who do not know Jesus, who are what I call unchurched or de-churched. Start thinking about, start thinking like those who don't know Jesus or have never stepped foot in a church or even have used to go to church, but the church hurt them in some way. Start thinking like those people so that in order to lead them to Christ, we look like them, we sound like them, we make the gospel relevant to them. Not compromising the gospel in any way, shape, or form. Not compromising uh, our commitment and our obedience to Jesus. But just thinking from their perspective, using a little sympathy and empathy, compassion, in order to see things from their perspective. Start thinking like those who are not like you, especially those who are not like you who are in your life. Maybe it's someone who uh, has a different background. Maybe it's someone of a different age group than you belong to. Maybe it's someone who has different interests and has a different life story. But begin thinking like those who are not like you. You know, I'll be honest, Coming to church or even watching an online service like you're doing right now, that can be intimidating. You know, someone who would dive in to watch this message, for example, they may be asking questions of, well, what are they going to talk about? Am I going to even understand what the guy on the screen is talking about? Is he going to explain words that I don't understand? Is he going to use words that, that, that only church people would would be able to know what the meaning is. You know, if you're inviting someone to come to church in person, you know, they're asking questions of like, well, what building do I go to? And what should I wear? And, and what if they stand up in the service? Do I stand up with them? You know, who's gonna help me with these things that I'm not familiar with that, that people in church are so familiar with? So I think the question today is, how can, we make, uh, how can we make church, how can we make an experience with Jesus something that an unchurched person can readily understand and receive? So how do we do that? Well, first off, I would say walk with the person, invite them to church, whether online or in person, invite them, but invite them in a way that you're not saying, hey, you should come to this thing. I'm not gonna come with you, but you should come. No, invite them and say, hey, why don't we 
do this together. How about this? I'll, I'll invite you over and we can experience this service online together. Or how about I invite you to church and you come in person uh, and we experience this together. I'll sit with you and, and then afterwards, let's grab a bite to eat. You know, you invite them, you welcome them, you make it worth their while maybe even. You, you be friendly to those who are unchurched or de-churched. You know, maybe it's simply... Uh, introducing yourself to someone you've never met and beginning the conversation from there. Let me say this. The, this is, leads me to today's big idea. It, let me say this. You may be the only invite to Jesus' life-changing hope that a person receives. I don't know what your setting is where you're watching this service right now. You know, some of you maybe at your home. Maybe some of you uh, are at a, a living, assisted living facility or something like that. You know, I don't know what your situation is and I don't know what kind of people you have in your life, but every single one of us has people and you might be the only invitation to the life-changing hope of Jesus that someone ever receives. You might be that connection to the gospel that someone desperately needs and maybe even that someone is desperately longing for. But we have to be willing to take the step and do the work to show them the gospel, to show them the good news of Jesus's salvation. Romans 10 uh, verses 13 through 15 say this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, not some, not even most, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who believes in Jesus and calls on his name, they will be saved. Verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? Think about that. How are they going to believe in Jesus if they've never heard of him? The next question. And how are they to hear without someone speaking? How are they going to hear about Jesus if the people in their lives who do know Jesus don't even talk about Jesus? You know, the fact of the matter is, is if you believe in Jesus, you are the connection point between those who don't believe him and Jesus himself. You're the connection point. You're the bridge that brings the, those who don't believe in Jesus to Jesus. Again, you might be the only invitation to Jesus's life change that someone ever receives, that someone ever sees, that someone ever hears. Let me continue, verse 15 of Romans 10. And how are they to, to speak or preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The fact of the matter is, is we are all sent. If you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're sent by him to go share the life-changing hope of Jesus with others. So how do we do that? Well, I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to begin to see the world, to see the church, to see Jesus through the lens of people who don't believe in him. We need to 
dispel the, the rumors and the myths. We need to make it comfortable for someone to receive and move forward in their relationship with Jesus. You know, if, if you're attending an online service, for example, let's say you peruse online Facebook or YouTube or Instagram or, or just the web and you come across the website or the page of a church, what does that person think when they pass by the page of a church or, or a post from a church? I'll tell you right now, they don't think anything. They just keep scrolling. It's church and Jesus is not even on their radar for the vast majority of people who don't believe in Jesus. What do they think when they see an ad uh, online for a church? Most of them don't think a single thing. They just scroll past, just like they do with every other ad that comes up in their feed. The fact of the matter is, is they are not going to come to Christ. Most of them are not gonna come to Christ by, by a church's post or, or some ad that a, a church puts up. They're going to know to come to know Christ through you, through, through their connection with you. Uh, last week, we had Dennis Peathers uh, on our online service, and he gave this amazing message. Now, I met Dennis uh, in, back in 2012 or 2013 at a college conference. He was talking to college students and co collegiate ministers. So imagine you're in a room with a bunch of college students and a bunch of college ministers, uh, and Dennis is speaking, and here's the illustration that he gave. He said, how many of you have gone to your local bingo hall recently? And of course, not a single hand gets raised because none of those students care about bingo. And he goes, but, but what if they painted their building and they updated everything? Would you go? Not a single hand got raised. And he said, but, but what if on their sign they put new management, new music? What if they did that? Not a single hand got raised. And he said this, he said, why would you not go if they made these changes? Because you're not interested in bingo. Bingo's not on your radar. It's not part of your life at all. And there's nothing attracting you to bingo itself. New music, new management, updating the building, none of that matters. You can go to updated buildings. You can go to places with the music you want. The core thing about a bingo hall is bingo. And you as a college student are not interested in bingo in the least. And he said this, he said, but what would make you interested in going to the bingo hall? He said, the only way you as a college student are going to be interested in going to bingo is if someone you knew came to you and said, dude, I went to the bingo hall last Friday and I had so much fun. You've got to check it out. It's not what you think it is. Come with me on Friday. We'll, we'll go, we'll have a blast. We'll go grab something to eat afterwards. That would get you to go play bingo. If someone you knew and trusted said it was fun and it was something you should experience and then they invited you to come with them, that would get you to go to bingo. A new building, updating, new management, new music, none of that stuff matters because you're not interested in bingo itself. The vast majority of people who don't go to church are not interested in the least in Jesus. Jesus is not on their radar. They've got no interest in it. They know what they believe. It's not Jesus. 
They know where they stand. It's not Jesus. If they were to change their beliefs, change their view of the church or Jesus, they would need someone they know to invite them in. And so how is someone going to experience the life-changing hope of Jesus? Through your invite, through you taking the initiative to talk to them about Jesus and invite them to experience Jesus in some way. So let me close with this. What would get someone to consider coming to church? I've already answered that question. It's an invitation. It's a connection to you. Now, I'll tell you this. There have been studies upon studies done over the years uh, with unchurched people about what would get them to come to church. And catch this. Eight out of ten people say that if they were invited to church, they would go. If they were invited by someone they knew, they would go to church. Eight out of ten. The vast majority of people in your life who do not attend church say they would go to church if they were invited by someone they knew. So here's my closing question. Who do you need to begin building a relationship with in order to tell them about Jesus or invite them to church? Now, let me be very clear. I'm not telling you to live life like some kind of salesman, that all you're doing in building relationships with others is trying to sell them on Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. The Bible is very clear that we are to love others, meet their needs, love them where they're at. But Paul makes it clear here in 1 Corinthians 9 that one of the things that we do when we build relationships with others is that we've always got the gospel on our minds. We always have, we're always looking for opportunities to share Jesus, to share the life-changing hope of Jesus with them. That's part of what we do as followers of Jesus. So let me ask that question again. Who do you need to begin building a relationship with in order to tell them about Jesus or invite them to church? Let's go to the Lord. And let's ask him to begin impacting and convicting our hearts and minds of that person or those people that we need to start intentionally investing in, that we need to look for opportunities to get to know them better and to love on them with the, the intention that at some point God will open the door for us to share the gospel with them. Let's go to the Lord and let's ask him to show us who those people are. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you that we've got this opportunity to come here to worship you, to hear your words spoken. But, but Lord, out of today's message, we pray that you would convict our hearts and minds and help us to know who it is that we need to invite in, that we need to invest in, that we need to love on in the name of Jesus. Who is it that needs to hear about the life-changing hope that can only be found in Jesus? Who is it that needs to hear our testimony, needs to hear how Jesus has changed our lives, or needs to just simply receive an invitation to, to church, whether online or in person? Who is it, Lord, in that person in each of our lives that we need to invest in, that we need to love on for the gospel? Help us, Lord, to understand who that is. And once we understand who that is, Lord, we pray that you would give us the courage 
to speak into their lives. Give us the strength to act when the Holy Spirit opens the door to love on them and to share the gospel with them. Lord, and when that opportunity arises, we pray that we would take it and we ask that you would give us the words to say. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the life-changing hope that you have given us. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to share that life-changing hope with others. We lift all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.